I'm Phil Mutz, VP of News and Entertainment at PureWow. And I'm Dara Katz, Executive Editor at PureWow. We are the hosts of And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast. Where we react, converse, spill the tea, and get carried, sorry, away on the new Sex and the City season. Now is a good time to tell you that there will obviously be spoilers. So join us as we revisit and relive Sex and the City. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> Y'all ready for this? <laughs> Phil? Oh my God, we're here. It happened. And just like it that happened. happened, how did you watch it? Oh my gosh. So I watched it on my laptop, uh, on the couch, under a big furry blanket. Where did you watch it? On the couch, 4 a.m., under a cashmere blanket. A cashmere blanket? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll save that for another discussion. That's a but, uh, podcast. I, I love that you watched it at 4 a.m. It dropped on HBO Max at 3 a.m. and you were on it right away. Of course. Yeah. Had I mean, that's a true be. Sex in the City fan. Yeah. So we've been waiting how many years? Oh, it's been a decade. We've been waiting for so long. Yeah. So with bated breath. My background with Sex in the City, Phil, you know, like it was the first introduction of sex to me as a kid. Like I saw boobs on the screen. Are you kind of saying that you learned the birds and the bees from Sex and the City or you just learned more nuanced birds and more nuanced bees from Sex and the City? I learned the birds and the bees from my um, family friend, Amy, who was three years older than me and, you know, taught me what fingering was. Um, (laughs) I learned that there's a much bigger world than just fingering on Sex and the City. I love that. And I love that we're (laughs) kicking off our podcast with that. Um, yeah, I, as this little like gay kid, I was like obsessed with this idea that these four fabulous women. I mean, every show that a gay kid likes has four fabulous women, whether it's like the Golden Girls or this or like it's just like that's the perfect formula. And it's also the perfect formula for being like, which one am I? I mean, obviously, I'm B. Arthur, you know, um, but <laughs> in this case, uh, you know, everybody has an opinion about that. But uh, yeah, and I watched them all after the fact. I never watched them like live on as they were airing. I watched them all after the fact. So I think it was on DVDs and was just able to binge them, which was kind of amazing. When it ended, one of my most precious items that I brought with me to college was my Sex in the City DVD collection. And I am oh, yeah. still pissed at my roommate, who I believe stole a couple DVDs from season four. I'm sorry. If you don't know, you're you're not going to revisit that. Also, it, it's probably those were just going to be sitting in a box in your parents' basement anyway. <laughs> I'm sure that's where mine are right now. But I'm glad that we both had similar ex- first experiences. Uh, the birds and the bees pushing aside. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But this episode, this episode was crazy. I can't believe we finally got one after all this time. What's your first impression? First impression, Phil, I... And I said this about The Many Saints of Newark, which was like the little movie that came out about Tony Soprano, um, you know, uh, ancillary content for The Sopranos, which people were really excited about. And it was pretty bad, but I liked it because I liked seeing those characters again because I was so in love with The Sopranos characters. I'm feeling the same exact way with both of these episodes that just dropped on HBO Max. I loved it. I love seeing my girls again. I miss Samantha dearly, but I really liked catching up with them. It's not the same show, but I'm here for it. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. I I see why people might hate it, but I have I just have nothing but love for everything that just occurred in that episode. I just it was just so great to see them back. Samantha's presence was still felt, you know, like it was just a, it was a very palpable uh, sensation that like that dynamic is still 
even if it's not the same, it still exists. And it was just so cool to see it all this time, all this, uh, all these years later. Um, so Samantha is in London. Carrie has a podcast with new character Che Diaz and is living happily with Big. Miranda's going to school. Enter new character Professor Dr. Naya Wallace. Oh my God, Carrie's walk-in closet. Anthony and Stanford are fighting. Charlotte's daughter is a musical genius. And just like that, the tragic twist of all twists. Carrie deal, deals with the crazies at a funeral in episode two. Samantha sends flowers. Charlotte makes it all about her, obviously. Miranda's drinking foreshadows a future discussion about her drinking. And just like that, we're 20% of the way done with the season. Okay, so that's out of the Ooh. way. So what do we need to talk about? Okay. The big I, thing. I, the big thing. And just like that, Big is dead via a Peloton-related heart attack. Did you audibly gasp when this happened? It was crazy. It was what a crazy. Twist. It was crazy and it was slow. It was a slow burn. He was just sitting there by that amazing doorless shower for a long time because that was a long concerto by Charlotte's daughter. It was really long. So how long into that? OK, so obviously they were cutting back and forth between the, the piano uh, recital and then also him Riding on the Peloton before the heart attack. So they're cutting back and forth. How I was like, this is so weird. Like, why is this music playing? And then like you slowly realize what's about to happen. But like it took me a while. So at first I thought he was going to come to completion because I thought he was kind of like they had been talking about masturbation. Mm, And so and they were talking about his Peloton instructor that she he has the hots for. So I thought he was going to be like, you know, kind of masturbating to his Peloton instructor. And that's why it was like climaxing. And then it became clear as Carrie was kind of, they were cutting back to Carrie and she was more serious. Even though she was in the concert, she was kind of playing with her ring. And then I was like, oh, Big's a goner. That's so crazy. That's so interesting that you thought that because, and that makes so so much sense because of that like super awkward, but like I kind of still kind of like had a smile on my face masturbation scene between the two of them earlier in the show. Um, I didn't like it. You didn't like it? Oh, and I just was giggling. I just sat there giggling, being like, oh, they love each other so much. This is so cute. Yeah, I have problems with all of that. Um, First of all, I seeing Carrie and I mean, Big had to die. Let's just say it. Big had to go Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for this to work at all. That's why the second movie was absolute shit, because well, they were just happy the whole time and nobody wants to see that. There's no conflict. Seeing them happy made me sick, Phil. I liked watching it. Well, and I thought how what an interesting choice that they're going to be so happy at the beginning of this episode, obviously not thinking that he was going to die at the end of it. And they were just so happy. I mean, he was singing. They were like dancing. Like what? what, Like what is this relationship? Which I feel like obviously was foreshadowing to like, you know, like, let's make this perfect so we can pull the rug out from under you. It was like seeing Big happy and like Big was always kind of old school. So one, would he ever be on a Peloton? I don't think so, but the pandemic did a lot of things to all of us. Uh, But seeing him so happy and cheery and kind of like cheesy, I was like, this is Wario big. This is like imposter big. I like big when he's unavailable and when you just get glimpses of him. So I'm so glad he has passed on to another dimension. Yeah, I think this was necessary. I mean, the alternative of of is if they weren't going to just be happy is we were going to go back to like the are they, aren't they, they're on, they're off thing. And I just like, we can't do that anymore. Like, let's give Carrie some new storylines. Yes. Like the whole point of this show is like, let's see where they are now. They're different people. They're in different places. Everything's different. And then that would just have been exactly the same. Those were the only two options. They're they're happy or they're not. And either way, we've seen it a million times. The sex and the city in that apartment 
Sorry, I tried to do a pun and it didn't really work out. But the sex, the chemistry between them, (laughs) even though I think they're both great actors, it just felt so fizzled to me. Yeah. And also, if you've ever heard Chris Knopf talk about his experience with Sex in the City and how he truly believes Sex in the City destroyed New York City, which I think in a way it did kind of usher in a new era of the influencers and stuff like that. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think he also probably wanted to die. I don't think he wanted to film much yeah i'm sure i'm sure chris neth was just like okay i'll do i'll give you one episode but like let's make a count and i'm i'm just i'm super happy that they did this the way they did this but that doesn't change the fact that it really shocked me at the end i couldn't believe like i just even though it seems so logical and necessary as a plot point for this series to exist it still was super surprising i did not see it coming going into the episode i also i mean of course you don't assume it's not game of thrones like i didn't assume characters would die like that especially he had this like (laughs) slow like melting death it was so yeah it was it was so this was the red wedding yeah i got you i mean what worked is that we know (laughs) carrie's bad with tech like she's not gonna answer her cell phone because she's not like addicted to her screens in that time that hasn't changed since you know the last okay i don't know if this bothered you but speaking of the phone when she gets there she sees him and like obviously he's on the floor and he's not dead yet was uh, were you not just freaking out screaming at the TV like call 911 call 911 like she cradled him and I understood like they wanted this last moment to be like just him dying in her arms and like it'd be this and maybe she knew it was too late like uh, obviously that's the implication but like I really just was like logic girl call 911 right now I don't so know. Phil I just took a personality test and I will tell, tell you I more. am like zero percent logic. intuition, even if my intuition is terrible. But I actually felt like that was a really realistic moment of something just being Mm. so earth shattering, paradigm shifting to walk in and see this larger than life person withering away on the floor. It's confusing. So I think she was utterly shocked and she was processing it. And then you see it hit her. And I have to say, Phil, we've talked about this before. Carrie, you know, she does this in the first five, three, two minutes, one minute of the premiere. She does ah! her little scream uh-huh, and it's really uh-huh. cutesy and can get kind of annoying if I do say yeah, so I myself. mean, there's been a lot of Carrie backlash. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Um, she there was only two screams. So in this episode, so I was fine. Carrie or Sarah Jessica Parker plays grief incredibly well. I yeah. I'm always taken by her performances with the Aiden thing when she's like, take me back. Or what does she say to him? Forgive me. You have to forgive me. That scene um, when Big leaves her at the altar, she's incredible. And this oh, again. Yeah. Smashing him with the flowers in the first movie. Oh, my God. Her so anger. Good. I-, I just thought her performance is so much stronger when she plays these this really dark layer. Yeah. These more serious moments. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I, I was in tears. Like, I mean, I'm instantly welling up the second she like rushed over to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree that that first part was such a real moment. I think the phone stuff was when she was cradling him. And I was like, we don't have time for this. I guess it was also me just processing the fact that they were going to kill him off, which I actually just thought the reason she didn't go out for drinks with Stanford was so that she could come home and save him. Uh, and that's not what happened. Um, yeah. Sad. So sad. Well, bye, Big. We will miss you. So long. Farewell, Big. You yeah. were larger than life, but for the show to work, you had to go. That seems like uh, a Samanthaism, uh, which is kind of a good segue into uh, the other huge thing that everybody is going to be talking about after seeing this episode, which is the way they dealt with Samantha. Right. So Samantha is not here. 
but not here. Just, you know, just to remind people, Samantha is not here. This is a show about four women, but this reboot only has three of them. Okay, so I there's two things, right? Like how the dynamic is without them, but also how they dealt with it. So the how they dealt with it part, I think actually was really clever and really I, I think they earned some time to talk about it and they took some time to talk about it. Like I was waiting for them to say, oh, she's in London and then that'd be the end of it. But she came up a bunch. And then there's this whole scene at the very beginning of the episode where Carrie and Miranda are walking and talking about specifics of exactly what happened. And I really loved that they took the time to go into the specifics of it and not try to just like brush it away as if like, we're just gonna pretend Samantha wasn't here, you know, like she was here, she's not, no big deal. And they didn't do that. I think they they gave it its due and I really liked that. I agree. I love that they were still processing it because I'm sure you've had friends in your real life that things change. And it, it's probably what happened with Samantha, like me like thinking about like fanfic, but it was probably more than just Carrie firing her as her publicist, which I thought was like a great kind of inside baseball way to deal with Sam. Do I think that the Sam we knew from all the seasons before would ever lose a friendship over like a business thing? Right. Not at all. Yeah. But like, because that seems super petty. But who knows what happened in like the 10 years since we've seen their relationship? Like Samantha could be struggling. The business has changed. So I really like how they dealt with that. So I think yeah. the UK is where Sam would go. No, I would. I think she no, would go somewhere more far flung, like and wild, you know? But Absolutely. But it I felt do think realistic. it felt super realistic. And I and and the specificity, I think, added to the realism like the like I texted her over and over again. And then you, later in the episode or maybe it's episode two where you get to like see the text messages yes. episode two, where you get to see the text messages I'm like, oh, that's a lot of text messages. The text messages but, hit me so hard. It like triggered me because Carrie was just like, hey, like, hope you're well. Like, how's that? I thought London? of you as I walked past and I was La like, Perla, wow, which is yeah. such a funny little <laughs> Easter egg because like yeah. Sam's always in lingerie. Yeah, I was wondering while I was watching it, though, it felt very, especially that early scene where she was explaining, you know, the details of the situation. I was it felt very much like Sarah Jessica Parker was explaining the situation to us of how things went down with Kim Cattrall. Like it just felt very like so specific that I was like, is Carrie talking now or is Sarah Jessica talking right now? You know it what I mean? Was a little, yes, completely. It was meta. And I think because what was happening on screen, I think um, Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis all thought they had this like kind of sisterhood that they didn't actually have with Kim Cattrall. Um, so in their own way, they were kind of mourning this loss of like of the fourth beetle. And to say, I mean, I do have to say I like how they handled it. And Samantha's larger than life presence is absolutely looming over the show. I was wondering if you're feeling like they're almost making it seem like Sam's going to show up. And if this whole Twitter fiasco with Kim oh, Cattrall and her brother dying and SJP respond like of that blow up, very public blow up happening was just like fodder for Sam to like show up later. I would dare it. I mean, I it, I it gives you that same feeling, right? Like you're like, OK, cool. They're saving her for later in the season. She's totally going to show up. But like we know she's not going to show up. Right. Like that would just be like the coup of all coups like to to fool us, to have filmed a scene with Kim Cattrall. Like there's just no way. I mean, A, that we wouldn't know about it and B, that she would ever do this. Right. I don't think it's happening, but I would just love her to come down like 
I just imagine her coming down in a the fire department pole naked and like, <laughs> how bad can that be? You know, like <laughs> because the sex is missing from and the city. Like I well, just okay, yeah. So that's the other part of what we were talking about, which is so like clearly that's the way they dealt with it. But what's missing? And it's like it's very clear that like when they sat at that table in the first scene and they're like the three of them, I was like. Where are the puns? Where are the where's the innuendo? Where's the sex? And I guess that's why they maybe changed the name of the show because it's maybe. not Sex in the City. I don't know. I always thought it was like a legal thing. But I mean, <laughs> maybe it's both. Probably. Like for the masturbation thing, I thought the masturbation thing was like pretty cheesy because the show Carrie was already exploring so many like funny, weird sexy things in the original series so to suddenly be like <gasps> coy about masturbation when like they were obsessed with the rabbit at one point like i was yeah. just like carrie come on snap out of it like we're, we know you're not graphic but i couldn't tell if that was that they were making like a mistake in like forgetting who she is as a character or if they were kind of trying to say like as these women who have gotten older and now that they're in their 50s, they no longer feel comfortable perhaps discussing it in a public forum. And I don't I don't know. But like Che Diaz, played by Sarah Ramirez, is the um, podcast host with Carrie. And they really lean into that whole masturbation discussion, which makes Carrie extremely uncomfortable. Can I buy a vowel? I mean, oh, what a terrible line. But I liked it because I was like, "Ooh, I can see myself saying that. Why did I say that? In the same way that Miranda has that other awkward scene where with the the college professor, <gasps> where we'll I mean, that. yeah, we have to get to that. Too. But I was, to the point so of much. Samantha not being there, Samantha would have cut through the crap and been like, masturbate. I'm doing it right now. You know, like we were mm -hmm, missing the mm -hmm. like, it's not a big let's have someone make this bring this normal, <laughs> bring right. this normal. Let's have someone. No, you're make right. This, let's let's bring, this, bring normal. this normal. I and love to bring this normal. I, I was thinking about this, Phil. I was thinking about Sex in the City because I feel like for a while people were like kind of shitting on the show as like it's so unrealistic. I mean, that's a direct quote from my father um, who would always <laughs> say that while I was watching it on TV. <laughs> He'd be like, this isn't real. Um, but, you know, it was very white. It was very privileged. It wasn't realistic, all that stuff. But I do think the show was really revolutionary. And I do think it is why people can talk about sex and gender in more meaningful ways today because without sex in the city no one was talking about sex like this we it was seinfeld and i love seinfeld too but that's what new york looked like it was from a male perspective right no i totally agree with that i am kind of more interested in listening or hearing more about how your dad thought that <laughs> was uh not realistic though like what, what what would he what did he really think life was like in the big city i mean aren't you from a different big city look i'm from the suburbs of chicago um so i was a train ride away from a big city but um my, it's not like i ever talked to my dad asking him that i was like a <laughs> i was like a middle schooler into high school watching Sex in the City. And my dad would walk in while Samantha was like giving a blow job and he'd be like, this isn't real, you know, because he wouldn't want me to get ideas in my head <laughs> about Got it. Got it. giving blow jobs to, you know, waiters. At Circling back to learning the birds and the bees from Sex in the City. I love right. that. Right. Yeah. So he didn't want to 100%. normalize um, fellatio at, you know, parties. Understandable. 
So Samantha's missing. Obviously, we're missing that energy. But like, where are Carrie, Miranda and Charlotte right now? I mean, they seem to be they're they're drawing like very strong, like new beginnings, seemingly for each of them, or at least for Carrie and for Miranda. Yeah. You know, Charlotte, Miranda's going back to school. Charlotte. Yeah. No offense. Boring. It seems like she's yeah. going to have to deal with some gender things from her daughter, Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Lily's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I want her Chanel boots. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like they were just trying to give us, like, one option of a potential realistic... Fi- she, said, she said she's 55 in the show. I don't actually know how old uh, Kristen Davis is, but she's uh, this a 55-year-old and the things that she would be dealing with. So I think that is a realistic journey, but it doesn't seem to be the most interesting one by a million miles at all. No, um, and, and we should say that with each character, you brought up Shay, who's the podcaster with mm-hmm. Carrie. Each character is kind of is directly addressing the issues of the whiteness of the original series by Mm -hmm. branching out and bringing in a person of color um, to be more lead characters than, say, a Jennifer Hudson in the first movie. Yeah. And there's been like, you know, the all three women, Sarah, Jessica Parker, uh, um, Cynthia Nixon and Kristen Davis have gone on record very clearly saying, like, we think that it is unacceptable. We think that particularly Cynthia Nixon has been very outspoken about like they need to uh, fix this problem uh, within the Sex and the City universe. And that's not a Band-Aid. That's not bringing in one character of color. That's not making them a, a sidekick of sorts. It's like fully fleshed out, realistic characters. And part of what they did is, you know, they diversified the writer's room, um, which obviously makes a big difference when people of color uh, is particularly women of color are writing characters about uh, who are women of color. Uh, you you just are able to get so much more fleshed out, realistic characters as a result that I think the original series was lacking. Yes. And I think that people are going to say this has been shoehorned in, but I don't see any way. It, it's going to feel shocking. They introduced a slew of maybe four or five new characters that we know are going to be big players. So it's going to feel it kind of feels jarring a little forced at the moment yes at those first two episodes but i think they've set up the baseline for these characters to really work and to bring interesting stories i liked all the new characters truly yeah i did too um and i i do agree because you you even get um the new character karen pittman uh played by karen pittman dr nia wallace she has a husband and she's on the phone when miranda is interrupting her on the subway and that like fleshing out of like there's a world beyond just me already implies that we're going to get extra storylines. We're already going to get um, more depth. We're going to get uh, perhaps like uh, we, we've already got information about like her fertility, fertility struggles, um, you know, and how that like perhaps relates to the other characters that we already know and love who have had fertility struggles. Um, so I, I think we're already getting a lot in episode one and it is jarring, I think, but only because the first series didn't have any of that. Right. And how Sex and the City worked was it was a revolving door originally of these like crazy characters. And our four women were typically the straight men to that comedy. And now it's kind of flipped. We see Miranda acting like a a white savior Karen type. And it's like so cringe, but I actually think Cynthia Nixon does it so well. And it addresses, again, it's kind of meta. It addresses the elephant in the room. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's very smart to have Miranda be this unwitting 
I mean, almost like, she's like a villain in those scenes. Like it, it's so cringeworthy, particularly, you know, well, there's the like the security guard scene. Uh, but particularly that first scene, though, where she just can't shut her mouth. Oh, and it's no. so it's fascinating. But I'm I'm glad they went there. And I, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think it was important to have that meta moment. And I thought that was brilliantly written how the person next to the first person, the student says to Miranda, that seat's reserved for the professor. And then Miranda, you know, feels like an outsider. Uh, But then because she can share that knowledge to who she doesn't know is the professor, she thinks she's like cool and in the in crowd. But really, it like, you know, obviously flies back in her face. And it's a great moment. Uh, So obviously we know where our girls are, but there were a couple of faces that popped up to in in the two episodes, uh, such as Susan Sharon, who I did. You remember that moment in the in the second episode uh, where they're at the funeral, but she was like sitting and she's just like, in, and she's she like, says, once, no one remembers that he was such a prick to her. Talking right, about Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I was trying to remember back and I was like, okay. I, like, I remember her and I remember her storylines with her, her storyline with her husband. Um, but I was like, what specifically is she referencing? And then it was so fascinating to see her confront Carrie about some issue that Carrie has no idea. And I thought how real that like, even if it were in the original series, which I just don't think it is, uh, like, but even if there were some unresolved conflict, people might not remember it all these years later. And it's such a natural thing, too, for like a person to be like, wait, you've been mad at me for, you know, 20 years. What are we talking about? I love that moment because Susan Sharon was a great character in the first place. She was Carrie. She was with kind of an abusive husband mm-hmm. and Carrie convinced her to leave him. And then Susan Sharon wound up going back to him. And I obviously think it, she returns. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, she could be referencing that, but she was such a larger than life character. She's one of the like one of those perfect, iconic revolving door characters from the original series. So I was so glad to see her back. And I learned recently that Susan Sharon are you a Real Housewives fan, Phil? I'm not. I'm sorry. I, I should listen to one of those podcasts. You can direct me to one later. <laughs> okay. No, if you're not into it, it, it it's too much it just to take seems on so overwhelming. Now. Yes, but, it's okay. overwhelming. You can't start just now. So Susan Sharon <laughs> is apparently based on Dorinda Medley from Real Housewives of New York. Really? Yes. So I at least know who Dorinda is. Okay. So I have some frame of reference. So Dorinda was out already like in the zeitgeist back then when, when Susan Sharon was on the original series. Dorinda had like a cashmere company just like Susan Sharon did. And Dorinda was married to like this really wealthy man who, you know, there's some rumors going about there. But that's what people think that perhaps Susan Sharon is based on Dorinda. So I'm excited to see if we get a resolve from Susan Sharon. And I hope she pops up here and there because there was that moment. I also thought like in an episode where rightfully so there was a lot of heaviness i was like finally some comedy like it just it felt like she was just it was such a i mean i think they tried to inject comedy into the episode with everybody who just talked to carrie in a very inappropriate way but i thought her conversation was the best of them uh yes. because she just like steamrolled like the you know you don't need to apologize but i forgive you like so you know we're going to hang out it was just so well done uh and i think we just needed to like breathe for a second after yes. you know a lot of heaviness especially watching those two episodes back to back we like get the death and then immediately a funeral it was a lot it was so, a lot and we get the same type of beat with Mitzi, who i had to look <laughs> jog my memory but she was married to when she said um her husband mr broadway had Mr. passed broadway. That is the Nathan Lane episode. And he was like, 
flamboyantly gay, but yes. and they couldn't believe that they were married. So, I don't so know. was that the implication that the um, the because she introduces like her late husband's like uh, assistant, and he like corrects her about like what he does, um, whatever it's orchestrations or something that he you know was it hinting then that perhaps he was like a partner to her old husband, like her dead husband? Is that like? Oh. Or is that just too many steps away? No, I don't know. I, I just was like, who is this man who, you know, I think that was has a some connection. That, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think they were doing that. I, I have to ask you something. When they were shopping Please. around for funeral homes, wasn't that a weird beat with the funeral director or the mortician lady? They gave her a full scene. Like, that was like a scene. It was <laughs> yeah. such an odd. She probably odd... got paid more than like she needed to for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she came in, said something that wasn't actually that awkward. And then they like they sh- they would have ju- they could have just like moved on. But they like made her like fight for it and gave her like like she had stakes. Like she was like, oh, no, I just lost business for my company. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I have to stop them from leaving. It almost was like, oh, I want to know, is she going to get fired? What happens to her next? It, it was a very odd moment where they gave her a lot of screen time. I was like, is Carrie going to get like girl bossy and take over this? like funeral home with for this one i don't know it was weird anyway <laughs> it seemed like there was too much attention paid another yeah, I, I, red yeah, herring yeah. was gloria the secretary mm. that we had never okay so we see big's older brother we never knew anything about big before we didn't even know his full name yeah and yeah. now we get his secretary um who's like an old school lady who wants to be called a secretary and it's ref- referred to that it so implies that, that she has lots of papers to go so through. So remind me, though, just was did Gloria ever appear in the original series then? Because I, I was like, I don't remember her. No. Maybe I missed her. Okay, I think so they she, created her for this. Got it. Okay. Um, and I think she's here as a vehicle to unveil some secret about Big that Carrie will have to deal with. Maybe he has another family in Utah. Really? She I, did, not yeah, she did make but. a point of talking about paperwork, which I was like, why would they even have that line in here? Like, we have to deal with some paperwork later. And I was like, yeah. That's such an odd, like, it's you know, like when you like see a gun in the first act, it's going to go off in the second, you know, like that yeah, or the third, you know, Kafka like that's the, S, yeah, mm-hmm. I really, I, I thought that was interesting. I didn't think about that, but like now that you say it, obviously that was planted there for a reason. Gloria's yeah. coming back. That's interesting. Gloria, 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 Enoch, Chelsea's day. <laughs> she's coming <laughs> back and she's bringing some plot with her. Let's just say that. Do you have a prediction for what happens next for Carrie? We know she sells her apartment or is going mm-hmm. to. I think Gloria is going to unload some beast of something on her that has to do with like legal jargon, whether it's like inherited debt or a son that she didn't know big had something like that. We also know that uh, there have been photos of uh, Sarah Jessica Parker kissing another man uh, that are, have been shot. So at, and I, that's not a spoiler that's out and has been reported. Um, but I she's don't know who that date. man is. She's going to join. Yeah, she's going to date. Yes, this is going to give date, her an and opportunity. Go back to her 30s. Yep. We get to have a character who's dating in their 50s, which is amazing. And I so, am so excited about that. And not just dating. We're going to see some sex and the city finally. Uh, I love that. There's so much that happens because there's so many characters that we don't have time to get to everything. So we thought it would be fun to end the show with some and just like that observations. I I'll start this. first. And just like that, Brady is a sex fiend and his parents are OK with it. And just like that, all of the voiceovers have disappeared, uh, except for one. And just like that, I'm going to start storing my coffee in the freezer. And just like that, you can say goodbye to 26-minute episodes and hello to 43-minute episodes. And just like that, please keep that Chucky subway freak away from me. Oh, I have one more. 
And just like that, Carrie is not only wearing a Heart of the Ocean from Titanic necklace, but she's also wearing two purses at one point. Okay. Also, can we talk about how you're wearing a Carrie necklace right now? Uh, except, does that say your name? Yes. It does. I had it before the 1998 premiere of Sex and the City. Thank you, Grandma June. Wow. I feel like Carrie just stole your thing and Grandma June's thing. One final thing. And just like that, Big is a Mets fan? No. Where did I miss this reference? He said, like, the Mets are doing great or something. Um, so Oh, I no. tuned him out because he said something about sports. Okay, I see. <laughs> he is not oh. a Mets fan. Big, I mean, no. He is a Yankees fan. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah, he, like, knows Derek Jeter. That's a Yankee, right? Personally. Or was a Yankee? I'm so, so good I at sports. Don't know who, I don't know who is a Yankee. I just know are we Big supposed likes to... the Yankees. I'm glad we're not running a sports podcast here. Um, that sounded like Samantha. I don't know who a Yankee is. I just want to fuck one. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that... This episode is over. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us all those reviews. You can follow us on Instagram at shows or at PureWow. You can follow me at KDara. And you can follow me at The Real Phil Mutz. And help us grow by sharing our podcast with your friends. We'll be back next week. And just like that, a Sex in the City reboot podcast is a PureWow and Gallery Media Group production.